All right, you are listening to Addicts in Recovery. This is your three favorite hosts on Recovery Talk. I am Zach, and I am an addict. And I am Mike, and I'm an alcoholic. And I am Kevin, I'm an alcoholic. We are here to basically talk recovery. Yeah, that's our mission. Our goal is to spread that uh, positivity that you're not alone, that you can do this. There's hope out there for the addict and, and normies out there that there is a, a better side of this. Reach out. We have plenty of platforms that you can reach us on. Uh, Instamike knows what's up. Find us on Instagram, uh, Addicts in Recovery, A-I-R. We're going to be keeping you updated on all of our current episodes and positivity and thoughts and ideas and uh, updates on what we're doing. We also want to know what is your feedback? I mean, how do we sound? What do you want to hear or talk about? Um, do you have any questions or like any specific topics that would that you want to want us to talk about? Give us some subjects that you want to hear us talk about. Exactly. And then you can find us on SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, literally any iTunes. iTunes, any anything. If it has a podcast, <laughs> we're on it now. You'll find us. This week, we're talking about everybody's favorite four-letter F word. Watch your language, Kevin. Fear. This kid's listening. (laughs) Oh, Oh, fear. Okay. (laughs) We're okay, then. We're going to be talking about fear today, kind of what our fears are, how we process through them, and what Kevin fears most, which is him himself. Stay tuned and find out. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) What about fear? What's up with fear? What are you fearing about? What are you fearing right now, Kevin? You know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I don't think I'm really dealing with much fear at the moment. Um, you know, I can get myself pretty worked up about uh, things, especially if I haven't been uh, meditating or doing a, a basic program, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I can start head running, which is a kind of fear. Um, just worried about what's going to happen in the future when really I have nothing to worry about. Like a lot of things are actually doing really well. So I'll get anxiety. And then I think that I'll make up a story to explain the anxiety, you know? And then I'll head head run about stuff like that. But at the moment, I'm I'm not feeling much about fear. What about that anxiety? Like, how do you how do you recognize and deal with your anxiety? You know, I'm I'm so familiar with anxiety. I I, I used to go on. Um, I used to be completely addicted to Xanax. Um, there's probably a lot of people out there that were. I had a doctor, I was in an accident about, I don't know, maybe 13 years ago or so. And I had a doctor that used to just give me Xanax like they were M&Ms. And I didn't even know that they were addictive at the time. Um, But I kind of got to the point um, where I couldn't leave the house without the entire bottle in my pocket. (laughs) <laughs> and um sounds like a typical tuesday yeah you know i it 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 was debilitating uh, my anxiety attacks from my drinking 
were uh, so immense, and I didn't know that the drinking was just perpetuating the anxiety. Is I would have anxiety, so I would drink to cure it, and then well, when I woke them. up in the morning, I'd have more anxiety, so I would drink to cure that, and it just went in this vicious cycle for ever. Yeah, you got to wash them down with something, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know? yeah. Right. And um, so I remember when I quit drinking, the anxiety attacks actually went away. And um, they didn't immediately go away, but they got much and much, much less. I went through a relapse. Um, well, I have, you know, more than once, you know. But they, I remember the anxiety coming back. And I remember literally feeling, literally saying to myself, Oh, hi, old friend. I know exactly <laughs> what this is, you know. Where have you been hiding? <laughs> right, right. But I didn't want to go back on the Xanax because it took me about three months to wean myself off of those. I was on them for, I was on them for about almost nine years. Wow. Yeah. It's a long period of time. Yeah. So weaning them off, weaning off in three months though. That's a, that's a, a wise decision to do because yeah. you can't just oh, no. turkey that shit. Oh no. Um, so I literally started breaking them in half and, and then actually allowing myself to, to feel the anxiety, um, knowing what it was and, um, kind of just saying, you know, I know that I'm going to make it through this. Uh, I'm not going to dose myself just so I can't feel it. I, you know, sometimes I think you need to feel things, you know. Well, I should say that for, for myself, you know. Um, whoever you are, don't go off medication just because I said something. <laughs> Please. But, I mean, for me, I needed to allow myself to feel those kind of things. So I think just being aware of that anxiety and trying not to make up a reason for it um, cause sometimes I just feel free floating anxiety and I can't really nail it down to what's wrong cause there's really nothing going on, you know? I don't know. What about you, Mike? I have like kind of a similar story. You know, I, I had a lot of anxiety that was kind of started from too much over drinking and I went to, I uh, thought it was the right thing to do was to talk to a doctor about it. And, like, immediately he prescribed me clonopin. Right. And, like, the first few times taking it, it, like, brought a level of, like, oh, okay, I can do this. The fear is gone. Anxiety is gone. And within, I would say, five days, I felt like I was becoming dependent on it. Right. Like, I needed it, and I took a little bit more. And then if I didn't have it or I didn't have it with me, kind of the same thing. I just became stressed out and it just took, took over. And I remember doing that for a, a while. I just remember going through that first prescription round. I think he gave me 30 and I went through those within like 13 days, maybe. Right. Just like double taking them cause I couldn't fill it. And he says, well, you might need to take three in one day. And I ended up taking like seven in one day. Right. It's like, okay, this is this isn't gonna last very long. And <laughs> and I, I remember when I ran out, um, that's when the real fear kicked in. 
I thought like, am I going to die? Heart rate increase, couldn't sleep, the sweats, just laying there rolling around. Um, Did you go through anxiety attacks? Oh, yeah. 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 And I've, I've always had anxiety attacks just from different levels in my life growing up of like school, you know, of I've always been really cautious about my speech. Um, I don't stutter, but it, a lot of times my words don't ever come out the way that I want it to. So I was really stressed out about that when I was younger. Hmm. Um, I remember sitting in class and the teacher would be like, okay, you're going to be reading in a, each paragraph. And then I would count the kids in front of me. So I knew exactly what paragraph was mine and I would read it over and over and over. So I wouldn't have a mistake. Hmm. And <laughs> well, cause you're so articulate when you speak. I no, I'm not. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's ironic that I lived in the Caribbean for a while because everything sounds like you just put a sentence in a blender and you pour it out. <laughs> so, that's, I fit in first time I fit in for a while, but, um, it just, you know, claustrophobia. I had fear of stuff like that, of uh, being locked in like an elevator type places, elevators, um, airplanes. So alcohol helped with that for a while. Mm-hmm. And then obviously it didn't, <laughs> you know what I've like kind of, had fear over is trying to figure out what somebody else is thinking. Um, what do they think of me? You know, um, I don't want to ask, say someone's doing something and I don't want to say, Hey, I want to come to, you know, on that thing that you're doing. Cause I'm a fear of, the, I fear of the rejection of it. You know, um, I don't know what they're going to think. I don't know. And I remember I was talking to this friend about it, and um, he said, you know, Kevin, it's utterly impossible for you to know what somebody else is thinking. You have no idea, you know? And so I kind of come up to this conclusion that if I think I know what somebody else is thinking, I'm probably wrong. And I find that I usually am, Right. you know? So, and oftentimes they're afraid of the same thing. You know, I, I remember being, um, I used to go to a lot of AA meetings. I still do, maybe not quite as many as I used to. But I remember not talking to people because I was afraid, you know. Um, I was afraid of what they would think. I didn't want to share my story because I didn't think it was, um, you know, nobody would find it relative to anything, you know, even though we're all there for the exact same reason, just under different circumstances. But I remember this one guy in particular, and I I always just really liked he, what he had to say, um, the way he handled himself, and he had some recovery on him. And, um, and I never talked to him because I was just always af- afraid of, I don't know, like having him, like, look at me and go, God, why is that guy talking to me? You know what I mean? <laughs> and um, <clears throat> But one day I walked in and I said hi. Um, and I sat down. And after the meeting, um, I got up and to, to go to my car. Because I used to go to meetings, not say anything, and then get the hell out of there as fast as possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, and he comes walking up to me and he's like, hey, thanks for saying hi. I just... I thought you, I thought you didn't like me. And he, he was very sincere about 
you know, thanks for saying hi to me, you know, because he he thought that I looked down on him or something, mm-hmm. and and so I, that's why he thought I never talked to him, and it completely caught me off guard because I thought it was I thought it was the total opposite. So that's like a, a you know kind of a a version of fear that I kind of feel. Um, I still have the same kind of issue today, but nowhere near as much as I did. So today I, I literally stick my hand out and say, hi, I'm, I'm Kevin, and introduce myself to people. And, you know, usually it's well-received. Well, I've never had it ill-received. Yeah, I imagine. <laughs> when you said that, I was like... What? Yeah. 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 Ill-received. Yeah. I'm sure they'll Until be you there. run into the hallway cross sack and he hits <laughs> right. you with his shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> and he starts to like head spin over there. Exactly. Give me your lunch money. <laughs> but, I want your lunch box. I don't yeah. just want your lunch money. What do you got, Zach? Man, I am and from for as long as I can remember, I've just been an innately scared individual. Uh, I as long as I can remember, I I would as a kid I would do that same thing with the reading. Mm-hmm. I would do that all the time. I would get like stage fright because you know how they would pull you out of class and you had to read and just you in front of the teacher. Oh man, that messed my head up. Uh, I was just I was innately scared. I was scared of what was going to happen. I was scared of people. I was scared of. Anything, anything you can think of, like I was, I was, I was generally scared of it. And I don't know where necessarily that fear came from. I mean, I could, I could put my finger on a couple of things. Um, but I also lived in a very, I don't want to, well, it was pretty hostile. I want to say it was a fairly hostile environment. My dad was a pretty heavy drinker and that dude had, I mean, he was like Jekyll and Hyde. You never knew what would come and what wouldn't, right? And so he would come home one day and everything's fine and we're laughing, we're having a great time. And then the next day he'll come home and it's like World War Three, You know, there's dirty dishes in the sink and then all of a sudden something goes flying or somebody, you know, gets yelled at. or And so I, I kind of lived the majority of my, my home life on edge. Uh, and then it just it just transpersed into everything else, like every other aspect of my life. The, the main reason why I actually loved using so much is because it took that fear away. I remember the first time I, I actually IV used drugs. I still remember it. I attribute it to feeling like Superman because all of those fears were gone. Like mm-hmm. I could do anything, right? Um, I could conquer the world. My my conscience, not necessarily my conscience, but I used to say my dad lived in my head um, when actually that's just my own negative self-talk that I attribute it. It's literally like in his voice too. Um, but all of that just shut up, right? It just went away. And so I had to spend, when, it, when I got into, <laughs> when, when uh I, I decided to stop using and go into, go into treatment. I was terrified, terrified of going into treatment, right? And my main excuse was, I don't wanna, I don't wanna go and, I, I don't wanna go and live with a bunch of junkies. You guys yeah. are crazy, right? 
IV, you know, IV drug user over right. here, you right. know, stealing and lying and manipulating everyone in my path. I think that's called uh, snubbing your nose at people when you're in the gutter. Yeah, exactly. Well, what it was was an excuse, right? right? I was Mm -hmm. scared. I was scared to change. And so, but I was also scared to keep living the way that I was, right? So I was scared to, I was scared to keep living the way I was. I was scared to change. I was scared to do anything. I get to treatment. I'm scared that I'm there. I'm scared that I'm missing things. I'm scared about the future. I'm scared about the people that are around me, about what people are thinking. Dude, thought about what people are thinking used to just haunt me haunt me actually getting into um once i got into like regularly using drugs that actually kind of went away uh which i guess is good in a sense i don't know (laughs) um so so but i would i mean i was just regularly scared and then i was scared of relapsing because i left right or first of all, I was scared, do I want this? Do I not want this? And so then I'm in this like fearful state of half of me says, yes, I want to be clean. The other half of me says, no, you don't need to be clean. And then I get out of treatment and I'm committed and then I'm like terrified of relapsing, right? And so I'm scared to death of relapsing. I'm scared to death of seeing people. I'm scared to death of leaving the house. The only place I'll go is to meetings because it's the only place I know that is safe. I mean, like fear just ruled, like everything in my life, everything, every breath that I took and every action that I made was based, was based in fear. Um, and I could, man, I could just keep going and going and going. The, it's, it's actually quite incredible that I'm doing with my life what I am doing because I'm such an innately fearful person. Um, it's just nuts. This is absolutely nuts. Well, you should be proud of yourself, honestly, for like the way that I've known you for a year. I, I never would have seen that. You've, you're very confident, which is a good thing. Now. So you hide. Yeah, now. <laughs> <laughs> but These I, days. <laughs> but I, I feel like fear, in a way, can be, um, at times, it's been a helpful guide to me. And it's obviously at times been a very like hurtful thing, you know, some, something that's stopped me from. Easy oh, wow, there, I Turbo. Slap the oh, he mic just the <laughs> mic. I'm fear of this uh, mic. <laughs> mic drop. Mic drop. <laughs> um, but there's been times when I've been like really fearful of something, and you overcome it. Mm-hmm. And like the whole alcoholism thing, like I remember waking up so many mornings and fearing for my life, you know, thinking like this is forever and I've created myself to become this way. There's no way out. And like, that's really haunting. Nothing behind you can lift you up. You're just like stuck in the hole. This is mm-hmm. me. And I hated that part of it, and the only way to fix it was to drink or be sick. Mm-hmm. And there was a fine line. It was like, okay, I tried to do this, and and I this is the worst thing that ever happened to me. Um, we were on a family vacation in Lake Powell, in the middle of the lake, and I hid alcohol all over our, the houseboat. 
<laughs> like I like pre-set it up so I could have it as I needed. And obviously you're out there with no cell reception. You have no nobody to call if you need a rescue. Like you're out there. Oh, you're yeah. pretty pretty far out there. So I hide all the alcohol and we're there for seven days and day three rolls long and my rationings are getting pretty small. And I start to get that fear, like I'm going to die. And I fully ran out of alcohol, and I, that was the first time I actually felt withdrawal syndromes. Mm. And my head hurt, um, so much like pressure, and I tried to fall asleep on top of the houseboat, looking up at the stars and the moon, thinking, like, just roll around, you'll be all right, just go to bed. And I would stand up and... I felt like I was drunk, but I wasn't drinking at all. I just, like, was stumbling and hitting the walls, and I would go down and splash water on my face, thinking, like, just having these small pep talks to myself, like, snap out of it. Yeah, you got this. You got this. this. You can do head, it. bro. And it's, like, 2 in the morning, and everyone's sleeping, and I, the only thought that came in my head that was comforting is that my sister and my brother-in-law are on the houseboat, and they're both nurses. That's it. <laughs> That's the only thing that saved me. Uh, and I just the monster migraines wake up in the morning and I was throwing up and um, just throwing up nothing and I thought I was going to die. And I was like ready to go like explode and tell everyone in the house, but like I need to go to a hospital or like call in the life light and come pick like airdrop <laughs> me some alcohol or, <laughs> or, or pick me up and take me to the bar, you know, fly. <laughs> You know, you're just telling me this story is, like, sending chills, like, through me. Yeah. It, I've done it so many times. It, like. it was so shitty. And, like, I just, I remember just feeling like this is going to be forever. Mm-hmm. And there's no way out. Like, this is my new life. I've signed up. I've committed for this. I've drank myself to this misery. And, I've, and it was really sad. Like, I remember, like, kind of getting upset and you know, crying on top of the house, but while everyone was asleep. And I thought this is, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And, and fortunately two days later, you think that that would be enough to like shake you. But two days later, I'm at the Marina picking somebody up. And the first thing I do is go grab my, more alcohol at the store and hide it again in the areas on the boat that I had it and never got caught by well, I mean, anybody. Of course, because you went like at least an entire day without it. So you deserved. Two days. Yeah, two days. Yeah, so you deserved. Right. To, I, to I earned it. I'm not an alcoholic. I, <laughs> I, I did I was, two days of sobriety. And right. I remember going for an afternoon. Yeah. And thinking, I should get a reward for that. Yeah. And I, I, I was like at the that. marina at eight o'clock in the morning and I'm buying a 12 Fifth pack. And by yeah. nine, I was six deep. And I felt better. Right. I was like, okay, I can do this. And. And going back now, you looking at these old photos of me on that trip, you can just see it in my face. Like, it just looks like shit. <laughs> like, were you all swollen? And oh, bad? yeah. <laughs> I'll show you pictures in a minute. They're terrible. That also, uh, that reminds me. So, I, like I said, I would, I would self-medicate, right, to get, to get rid of the fear. And as I would self-medicate to get rid of the fear, new fears developed. Mm. Like... 
Anytime I drove by a cop, right, my heart would drop to my stomach. I couldn't even, I wouldn't even do anything wrong. Right. I mean, just immediately my heart would drop to my stomach. Mm-hmm. Or I, you know, when, am I going to have enough shit to go on to, the, to, to go on this trip? Am I going to, yeah, I can tell you how many times I have brought excess amounts of drugs on a trip. And then by day three of day seven or seven day trip, I'm out. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then you're that. That that, panic. Yeah. Oh my God. I, and then the whatever it takes to get more, right? Um, and so then there's that fear. And then there's the fear of, oh, do the people around me know? And then there's the fear of, oh, am I going to do something dumb because I've done something dumb like this before? Am I going to do something dumb again? And so there's all these other fears that come in uh, added on to the self medication aspect of things just, just tax right on again am i gonna lose my job how many times i've asked myself that am i gonna lose my job am i gonna fail this drug test how many times i've asked myself and i've been worried about that i have ingested probably like toxic amounts of bleach just to pass a drug test because like, I was so terrified <laughs> that right. I was going to pass a drug test. Somebody's like, yeah, drink bleach. Don't try so this that's at home. <laughs> yeah. This is Zach's homemade <laughs> remedy. Don't do it. Yeah, don't do it by any means. I mean, any sensible person would not drink bleach. But because I was so terrified of not passing this drug test, I would go to any any links, right? Any links to get it. And so I thought that was really, that was really funny because that does. It comes, even our self-proposed solutions create fears on top of those fears that we already had. Right. Well, and and the cop thing is a no joke. I'd be driving around with my wife and she'd be like, I, I'd be like, there's a cop. She's just like, and, and? what's up? <laughs> you know, <laughs> she would say that to me all the time. Like we're like, there was some enemy and they, they did something to me. I'm just like, Oh great. Another cop. Goddamn yeah. five. Oh yeah. You know, that is one thing about uh, <laughs> being clean is, I see a cop and I just, I don't care. Right. Like, I'm the same way. I like just speed. like another car. I kind of like test them. <laughs> right. Like Come speed limit 70 miles an hour. They're riding in the lane. I'm in the fast lane going like 75, 77. Start cruising by. I'm like, what are you going to do, bitch? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Because usually the, well, besides, you know, like the, the odds that I'd get a DUI, um, the first thing to go when I couldn't afford, um, more alcohol or drugs was my car insurance. So usually I'd be driving with none, you know, and, you know, and then I'd be like wasted. I remember so many times pulling in into a 7-Eleven and there'd be cops at the 7-Eleven and just immediately like, what am I going to do? If I, if I, if I throw my car into (laughs) the I got to go to a new gas station. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Like maybe I should just sit here and act like I'm on my phone and, you know, Wait until they leave. But then they'd be in there for like 15 minutes, you know, because they're eating a donut or something. Like, <laughs> it's just, I'm so glad that I, I that doesn't they're happen gone. anymore. You well, know? it's all, all of the buildup with it. I think f- fear, you know, it, it does. I remember doing that. I was at a gas station and I didn't have a license plate on the front of my car. And I pulled in. And I got out, and I bought some stuff from the cashier, and I came out. And she was, like, staring at me through the window, just, like, watching me. And I was just like, what is she going to do? Call the police on me? Did I smell like alcohol? 
and I just like backed up and I was like, I don't have a license plate on the front. So I just kept going further and further, further backward, like all the way out the whole parking lot. So she wouldn't see me. And yeah. she was probably just wondering what the fuck <laughs> 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 Could you imagine somebody going backwards all the oh, way out? Yeah. Like, Oh yeah. Ridiculous. What about like uh, when birthdays come up? Like I remember, you know, like getting three and six and, and, um, those kind of things. Like, I remember just a couple of days before it was actually going to happen. Like, wonder if I'm actually going to make it. Like, what if I like, what if I go out like, like tomorrow and then I don't get it. And it's only like two days away. You know what I mean? And I didn't even like feel like drinking at all. The or, fear. Or, it, I mean, I just have like anxiety. What if I don't make it? What if I like? There used to be this story that this guy used to tell, and he would talk about slips. Um, and how he didn't really kind of believe in, like, accidental slips, you know? And that's just one guy's story. It's, like, just how he looks at it. I believe it. But he, he's like, I've never seen a guy walking down the sidewalk, and he slips on a banana pill, and there happens to be an open bottle of tequila on the sidewalk six feet in front of him, and he slips on the banana pill and screams on his way down, and the tequila bottle, like, goes down his throat. As he lands on the pavement. He's like, I just don't believe that happens, you know. And, um, you know, he thinks slips were, you know, at least psychologically meditated before they actually happen. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and, and you know, I've come, to, I've come to believe that, too. They, they say a slip usually happens like three months in advance, really, before you ever even pick up. Oh, yeah. Anyway, but that, that, kind, of, that kind of thing does happen. What, what about that, Mike? You might know something about that, Mr. One Year yeah. Today. Dun, 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 dun. What? Yeah. yeah. What? So, yeah, about that. So I went on a weekend trip with a bunch of my buddies, and my dad comes to my office on Thursday morning, and he's like, you're leaving today, right? I'm like, yeah. He's all, don't do anything stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Thank you. It's a start. Otherwise, in the past, he wouldn't have given two shits in the first place. He'd been like, yeah, have fun. Um, but now it, it was kind of interesting. I, I, was, I told him thank you. I was like, thanks, Dad. That means a lot, even though it was kind of half-assed. But, um, <laughs> yeah, but I was like, I'm not going to blow it, Dad. I've got a earmark that I'm hitting in a couple of days, so I'm mm-hmm. not that interested in relapsing. And I just felt... You know, during the time that I was with my friends, there definitely was moments where I was like, oh, am I missing out? And in the morning times, I was telling Zach this earlier today that um, they were all very envious of my situation of feeling not, you know, hungover and drinking a cup of coffee and enjoying my morning. And so it obviously the payback is that you have your health back. You feel good. But I got a question for you, too. How now being in recovery has the fear level with your family or close ones, friends been with you guys? If that makes sense, if that's a good question. When, when I was, uh, when I was using my fear level around anyone that could potentially know me was constantly elevated and I was like I said I'm, I'm already a, a naturally fearful person this is the way that I, I am um, but 
to put me in front of these people and the, the drugs that I was doing and the behaviors that I was engaging in, I was constantly on edge, constantly on edge because I never knew what they knew, right? Mm -hmm. And I was always worried and I was always trying to pick up on what they would know. So I, every once in a while, I would kind of like feed in to, to try and get information out of them to see what they know and what they don't know. And nine out of 10 times, I'd incriminate myself. They'd be like, why are you even talking about this? Uh, <laughs> what do you mean? You started this conversation on drug use, mom, not me, uh, which is <laughs> total bullshit. Uh, <laughs> but it is night and day difference to be able to walk up to someone that I care about or who cares about me look them dead in the eye and not have this thought of, or this memory flash through my mind of me the night before stealing from their fucking wallet in their car, right? Or stealing their car or manipulating them in some form or another to have my way or um, stabbing them in the back or doing, I mean, anything like that, any of that shady behavior I don't, I don't, that doesn't flash through my mind anymore. When I was, when I was using, that was always there. There was always something that I had done to that person that was in the back of my mind going, I hope they didn't find out. What if they did find out? Do they know? I don't know if they know. Uh, and, and so I would, my, my conscience would eat me alive anytime I looked at somebody. And now I can look somebody in the eye and it, this, this is just like crickets in the back of my mind. This is just blank. This is, oh, yeah. You know, it's like another day. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Here's, you know, my mom. And the the best part about it is I don't have to wake up in the morning and think about that shit. I don't have to wake up in the morning and go, all right, what lie do I have to cover up? Or what, you know, what did I do and how am I going to explain this? I don't have to do that anymore. And that that alone dramatically decreased the level of fear that I have around around my family members dramatically. I used to do that with my wife in the morning. I would wake up and wait for her to wake up and think like, I don't really remember what happened last night. Let's see if she has something to tell me, you know, and just wait. And there was times <laughs> where it was, it was like, she'd wake up and be like, Oh, Hey, good morning. And I was like, Oh man, I dodged a bullet. And then like the other times would be, I can't believe you. You're such an asshole. Did this, this, this. I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> It is nice. It's nice not having to wake up to this fear of all that bullshit. It's a waste of space. Oh, man. So how do you deal with those fear sack? What ones? Like, I, I mean, just like fear in general. Do you have like an exercise? Some people have mantras exactly like which when one? they're in fear. All right. So I, for a really long time... I did not approach fear healthily, like whatsoever. Uh, obviously, I was I was using and abusing drugs. I was just doing just a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of toxic stuff to cope with it. And so now, a lot of it is I have to face it. So uh, a lot of people say everything you want is on the other side of fear, right? 
those people that say that are usually not the ones that are facing their fears, okay? That's a lot easier fucking mm -hmm. said than done. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh yeah, everything you want is at the other, other side of fear, so just jump out of this airplane right now. It's okay. Just you know? do it. Yeah, just do it. it doesn't that, that minimizes the hell out of it. So what I really have to do, it depends on the fear that I am experiencing, um, but one of them is I ask myself, is this grounded in evidence? Is this fear that I am experiencing grounded in evidence? So one of the things that I, I, I guess recently, one, some of my recent fears that pop up are like, am I going to pass this class? Okay. So which it's is not like normal. Just yeah, like a normal, which is a natural, normal. Right. It's a normal. It's a normal fear. Um, and so I'll, I'll ask myself this: Am I gonna? Am I gonna be able to pass this class? And then I'll start kind of thinking on it, and then I'll start kind of spinning it out in my head. And as it's happening, it turns from: Am I gonna pass this class? To you know, am I gonna fail university life and be a failure for the rest of my life? And I have to stop and ask myself: Well, is this rooted in any evidence? Right. So have I ever failed a class? No. Have I, have I ever failed a test? No. Have I ever failed an assignment? No. What, what is, you know, what about now is gonna make it any different, right? And so I, I, have, to, I have to bring myself back to this um, level of, I guess, centeredness, because I can live and, I, and there was a guy that once said this, and I love this. I love this quote so much. The future is make-believe. The future is literally a human construct that we made up to help predict our next, or to help predict what's going to happen after our next move, right? We literally make it up. And so I have to remember that. I have to remember that every single day. I don't know what the future is going to hold. I don't know what's going to happen. But what I do know is that 98% of the time when I'm sitting here predicting what's going to happen, it doesn't actually happen that way. And so I have to consistently talk myself through it. Calm down. Come back to reality. This is, what, this is what's happening right now. You're making shit up. It's not founded in anything. There's no reason to act on it. That's another thing that I have a really hard time with is acting on it. Like sometimes I will act out of fear I mean, on a snap, and I don't even realize that I'm doing it until after it's done, and then I, and then I look at it and I go, God damn it, why did I, why did I even do that? Um, and so I have to, I have, I, I usually, I'll pull myself in, I'll sit down, I'll run like the serenity prayer or something through my head. Um, sometimes I'll do it like a dozen times just to get it, just to stay grounded. And, and then I, I move on from there. Um, but a lot of it is just like recognizing that it's not real. Yeah. Fear is not fucking real. Well, like kind of to, in addition to that, I've struggled with like, like self expectations. And if I don't do what I think I would or should be doing, and it turns out a different way that I'm okay with that and not having mm -hmm. like the fear of like, no, I was supposed to go this direction, but it shifted a little bit and I went here and being okay with over there. And <clears throat> that's, that's hard. Like I remember that in college of really pushing towards, I wanted to be a plastic surgeon for a long time, actually. You look like a plastic surgeon. <laughs> but 
it changed. And I remember like thinking I had all this fear of like, man, I waste all this time and money of these classes that now don't help me with my construction management degree. And it was like, I had this fear of, I did waste a whole bunch of time, Mm. but then I'm like, think about all the stuff that you learned from it and being okay with that. So it's like kind of playing a, mental gymnastics i guess with yourself of being okay with the direction that you chose it is you almost have to teach yourself how to approach things differently right how to look at things from a different perspective one of the things that i was really i would really get upset about and i would really get peeved about was the fact that i had to take uh math classes for my business degree which makes sense if you're in business, you should probably know how to count to 10. I'm just, I'm, I'm going to, but, but I also don't need to know what calculus is either, unless I'm really getting into like some deep shit, right? Uh, but I would get so mad that I was wasting, was wasting my time. Uh, and then I would, and then I would fear that like, this is, this is opportunity lost. This is time lost, right? And in reality, I would come, I'll come back and there's like weird calculus shit that happens in life that you'll catch and you'll be like, oh my God, I know why that did that. Something went up and it came down and I know why it fucking came down. Hey. <laughs> and, uh, and then and it's true because, and then afterwards, Kevin's all I'm just like super happy that gravity. I don't have to take a calculus course. Cause I know that part. <laughs> yeah. For the square root of, things acute angles square root of whatever the thing is okay well yeah. i know up and down pi so i'm good with that and it's not the good pi either <laughs> um but it, it i i had to reach kind of rethink those those moments of maybe i wasn't doing what i wanted to do or what i expected i should be doing but i was doing what needed to be done at that time and i learned from that whatever it may be even if it's not i mean how many people want to say that they spent a large majority of their lives being a drug addict right not many people not many people would be like yes i just loved the fact that i ruined my life and and other people i ended up with you know some crazy viral infection and i murdered people and i did this and that and whatever uh yes i would just love that as part of my life no they don't but it's just like in the Ninth Step Promises where it says, we will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. Um, I, after working like steps and going through this program, I've learned that I may be scared of things and I may be upset that things didn't work out the way that I wanted them to, but they worked out for a reason. And I am the person that I am because of it. Yeah. I like that. Yes, that's good. There was a guy today that I was talking to and... Um, he was, uh, I can't remember exactly what the predicament was, something to the fact that his roommate had kicked him out and, um, he wasn't, he wasn't there to, um, to talk to his roommate, but, and all of his stuff was still in the apartment and blah, blah, blah. He didn't have the money to pay the next month's rent because, and he, and he was going to be gone for a couple of months before he could go back and get it. Anyway, he was just really upset about the whole situation and, uh, he was talking about, well, you know, I think I'm just going to have someone go and get my stuff, and that's and that'll that'll make it so uh, I don't have to give the 30 days notice, and he can just like screw off and blah blah blah. And I was like, you know, and you know, in that way, I can have the last word. And I said, you know, you're just setting yourself up so that 
in the future you're you're you know you're gonna have to like deal with this like what if you bump into this guy you know this is like a friend of yours that's you've been a really good friend with him for like six seven years you say you know um i told him you know i i call that uh, uh poking holes into my sobriety it's gonna catch up with me you mm. know so <clears throat> if you can or if i can deal with things that are going to cause me fear in the future or some kind of a problem um I just try to correct them now, and then I don't have to deal with those fears, you know, at least as much as possible. I, I know that can't be possible for any everything. You know, it's not as, as possible as, you know, when you're trying to figure out what other people are thinking, you know. I set myself up for that all the time. <laughs> but, <clears throat> yeah, I used to think, you know, it's funny because for all the years that I was drunk and high, I thought I was, like, psychic as hell. Like, I always knew the future. I always knew what someone else was thinking. And now I sober it up, and I'm about as psychic as a piece of sheetrock. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I just, <laughs> you know, at least, you know, I could make believe that I was a psychic, yeah. you know. But I could see you being like a, like a tarot, tarot reader. A tarot card yeah, reader. Yeah, That's funny. I just tried to read my tarot cards myself the other day, and I had no <laughs> idea what any of them meant. <laughs> you like, could open oh. up a place called Sheetrock Readings. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, that's good. People punch <laughs> holes through it, grab their card out of the wall. <laughs> that's good. Read the chunk oh, of sheetrock that comes off. See this jagged edge right here? So uh, one thing I've, I was thinking about when Kevin was talking, so back in the day when I was, like, aggressively training, uh, pretty hardcore with mountain bike racing, I would take advice from people of how to do something better or do this. And it created a lot of fear and anxiety of they know all. So take their advice and apply it to me and it will work guaranteed. Mm -hmm. And I struggled with that. Just thinking like I would waste so much time. I would try different like, not drug substances, but substances to like fuel my body the right way and recover 30 minutes after doing something and kind of following these ridiculous things. And the biggest thing that I learned one that everything that comes out of someone's mouth doesn't ever work for everybody. Mm. It's not a, not a remedy to what works for you. Doesn't work for me. And I took this advice from this uh, professional mountain biker, and he said, Mike, you got to eat this, this, and this in the morning time, and you're going to be rolling real good. And, and I tried it, and within, like, five minutes of on my bike, I felt like shit. I felt like I this is not me. My body is not used to this. And ten minutes later, I was stopped, and I was throwing up in the bushes. Mm. And in a race where I was like fit and ready to like you know win the thing well that sucks yeah and it was it's it really did but i i was really frustrated with myself thinking i had all this build up and whatever and i am taking this advice from him and it's gonna work and sadly i i wasn't listening to the most important person it was myself mm. and i feel like that's a huge you know ticket in what I've learned in the, you know, taking that from biking and adapting that same principle to me of 
being in recovery. And I hear a lot of things from people and advice about this or help me here in ideas. And, and I really think it's such a hard thing to listen to yourself and slow yourself down and, and process what's happening and being able to be okay with whatever happens. And that's really hard because I think people take comfort when they actually hear something from somebody thinking, oh, okay, and I feel a little bit better now. I can move forward. And then again, you're not listening to yourself, but I don't know. Here's the thing. I always talk, I mean, just throughout this, throughout this podcast, I've talked about fear being like this debilitating, crippling curse, right? Um, but there's a lot of times where it's a good thing to have. I have this really solid fear of not becoming the person that I was before I got into recovery. That's a pretty solid fear. Like I do not want to go back to that per- to that person. So the, uh, can, can you clarify that? What did you say? I don't want to be the low life piece of shit, drug addict, thieving, manipulating monster of a person that I was. And I have a very healthy fear of that because I don't want to. I don't want to be that person again. I don't want to do the shit that I did. I don't want to end up, you know, in the closet with a gun to my head. I don't want to end up, you know, with a DUI, another DUI. I've already had one of those. I don't want to end up being miserable and angry. And I don't want to. I don't want to be that person. And so one of the reasons that I. I attribute doing as well as I have in my recovery and working as hard as I have is for that fear. I don't want to go back, man. I don't want to do it. And so even though I, even though we talk about fear being this debilitating thing, it's also a good thing as well to have this fear of my old, my old using buddies. I have a solid fear of them. Not necessarily them as people, but their habits and getting back into, into what I was doing. So I went, to a, I went to my buddy's house. This is a really good story, actually. I went to my buddy's house the other day to kind of say goodbye to him and uh, because I'm moving soon. And he invites me over, and I walk in, and this house is exactly like a house that we used to party in when we were 16, 10 years ago, 11 years ago. And he's doing the same thing, okay? 11 years later, he's doing the exact same thing. Jobless. Because, you know, the world's picked him out to shit on. Um, I, think his, I think his girlfriend's actually supporting him right now. Uh, two kids, day drinker, and all he does is play video games. The nicest thing in his house is his PS4 and his TV. The rest of it, I mean, there's garbage everywhere, and it's like, I mean, it's a dump, right? And I walk in that room in immediately this fear sank in of, oh my God, this could be me. Mm. I could be stuck in this rut for 10 years, 10 mm. years. And as I'm talking to him, I'm talking to this 16-year-old. I was talking to the same guy that I was talking to 10 years ago about the same shit, same people, same gossip, same, you know, same excuses on why you haven't done anything with their lives. The same dreams of, you know, well, I'm, I'm going to move here. And it's because it's you guys have nothing relevant with each other anymore. Well, it's not even that. It's just that he, they're stuck. He's right. stuck. He is literally stuck. 
And I, 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 I saw that. And this is just like two days ago. I saw that, and I, and I walked out of there going, oh, my God. Like, I, I may be a fearful person, but at the same time, that fear that I have has driven me to a lot of successful places. And, and that's what you've got to, I mean, that's one of the things that I have to remember is that my fear has driven me to a lot of successful places. And it's the same as what you were saying. Um, you're right on like asking people for um, like advice and stuff like that. And every once in a while, that's, that's a good thing. It's a good thing to ask for advice. It's a good thing to be scared that you know, you're not going to make it or you're not going to be quick enough or fast enough or whatever. It's, it's a good thing because that helps breed growth. But like you said, it can also be debilitating too. And you have to, um, and that was the thing that I had to learn is I had to trust myself. I really had to trust myself that early on I didn't trust myself with the shit. And I don't actually tell anybody in early recovery to trust themselves. Don't trust your gut. Your gut will get you high. This oh, is the way that sure. it is. Okay. It's just the way that it it's is. It's too fresh. Yeah, but but later on when you get clean time under your belt and, and you have some type of experience living a sober life, then you can start trusting yourself. And you can start trusting the process. You can start trusting the decisions that you make. And man, that fear just like dissipates like crazy. It does. Did you know I have social anxiety? Do you? Yeah. I have like solid social anxiety. And I can go up in front of 50 people and I can share my story in the most theatrical motherfucking way. <laughs> but I have social anxiety. Yeah. And you know, I'm glad that you brought it up that, um, that as you get some clean time, eventually you'll be able to start trusting yourself. You'll be able to start trusting your decisions. You'll be able to start, you know, uh, feeling more confident. Uh, you can start trusting yourself being alone with yourself. I don't know about you guys, but I, I would rarely get into trouble, especially, you know, when my using got really bad. When I was with a group of people that were using, it was when I was by myself. Mm. Um, and I was like, I became afraid of myself. I couldn't trust myself, <clears throat> especially when I first started Sober Up. Um, I didn't really want to go home because I knew I would drink by myself, you know. Mm. Um, but I'm glad you brought it up because a lot of people, um, including myself, kind of got this, maybe the wrong message when I was, you know, first in recovery, is I had a fear that um, I was going to always be sick. And there's a difference between, you know, I now know that I have this you know, quote unquote, allergic reaction to alcohol, and I'm an addict um, uh, to all kinds of things other than alcohol. But <clears throat> um, that doesn't mean that I'm going to be sick for the rest of my life. You know, I hear people say things like, "Oh yeah, I know I'm going to be sick forever, and I'm not, I'm not going to be well and whatever for the rest of my life." And I'm like, "Who told you that?" Because that's not the message that, you know. Like the AA Big Book tells you anyway, that it it does tell you we're going to be able to trust ourselves. We're going to be able to hold our heads up high just like anybody else. Um, so I'm glad that you brought that up because that's, you know, the fear of ourselves does go away. Yeah. Well, naturally, my, my, my fear was fear of dying. Yeah. Like I, it was it was death. And it now I really don't even think about that. It's like right. I wake, I'm happy, I'm healthy, I'm feel good, and um, I'm more likely to probably die in a car accident now, just right. driving to work than I'm, I am, and it, it, that's just a normal feeling, mm-hmm. you know. 
You know, and fear, of course, you don't want to ever get rid of all of your fear. Fear is an instinct. Mm. And we're also told that by our uh, using chemicals to such a degree that our base instincts get distorted, our drive for sex, our drive for love, fear, um, things like that, that they all get distorted. As a matter of fact, I think they, I used to think this was kind of like cool words put together in a sentence for a recovery book, but it was, it's called instincts in collision. Mm. Um, they seriously go off course, start bumping into each other, and that's what gets us into our trouble. Um, you know, you mix f- things like fear and love together, and it's going to come out badly, you know, or, you know, just, you know, those basic instincts that don't make any sense when they intertwine. So you don't well, ever want to get rid of your fear of, like, you know, being too close to the edge of something, you know, it's, you want to, you know, be able to take a step back, you know, because oh, like that's dangerous, you know. But. Well, it, it, it's a fine line because then you go to the opposite and you have someone who's fearless and, you know, me growing up, I was a pretty fearless person. I was the type of person that a friend would say, jump off that cliff and I would, typically be the one who would jump off the cliff right and i mean i'm 30 but something i know about you is you probably had it like well planned out well maybe like, you know yeah. for a while you had like the rope planned out there was, there was probably <laughs> a parachute I'd, on your back i mean i'm 33 and i've broken 22 plus bones oh wow, you know, that's so terrible most of it was from <laughs> racing skiing and cliffs and most of it was kind cliffs. of cliffs. Yeah. Just, just, I love how you just threw that in there: racing and skiing and cliffs. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. Right. I loved it. It was like I loved that adrenaline, and probably my most favorite sport that had so much fear driven that would bring so much like I don't know, so much fear inside me was whitewater kayaking. And it is one of those sports that, like, most sports, sports you kind of lose some of that edge, not kayaking. You're, you have it every single time you jump on the river. And if you don't have the respect of the river, that's usually when a problem would occur. Um, I'm, I've almost lost two close friends kayaking. One I had a rescue that was stuck underneath the tree. And it shook them, it scared the living hell out of them, and they gave up and quit kayaking. But it, it was one of those... Fear. Huh? <laughs> Healthy fear. You're right. And they're like, <laughs> I almost died, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, it, it was it was pretty pretty wild sport, though. So, like, I, I, uh, I loved it, though, because, like, you had to really go down the whole river and thinking where you're going and, and high rivers and waterfalls and all of that was i loved it i love that thrive scary shit it just fuels me but once i've gotten a little older and having more kids it's kind of winding down a little bit but you know it's funny that you can go through an experience like that on a kayak and you would be like hey let's do that again right like tomorrow right or this afternoon maybe my legs my buddy's legs for a second and i want to do it again (laughs) yeah I, it's funny how we're like that because we can like do all the drugs and alcohol in the world to the point of death. Right. You know, I think Jerry Seinfeld said it to Beth in a comedy routine I seen, and he was like, I think he was talking about um, 
actually was just talking about like headache medicine or something. And he's like, you know, give me the dose that will kill me and then just back it off just a notch. Right. Yeah. That's what we were like. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was like. It's true like, though. Right. You do the same thing when like when you're drinking, you're throwing up all night and you're like, yeah, you know, I'm not going to do that again. Mm-hmm. Sun comes up. You're like, <laughs> okay, where's so the vodka? Start feeling yeah. better again. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, we're running out of time, guys. So let's let's. Uh, what do you guys got to wrap this up? I wanted to ask Mike if he would read that quote. Oh yeah, I think got a good quote. We were talking about the Will Smith movie, um, and it has a really good quote on fear. What was it again? Gemini. Gemini. It's not mm-hmm. the best Will Smith movie, but you know if you're if you're into the message of it. Um, when I was uh, new to sobriety, I actually watched the show and I was like, oh my gosh, this is like such an eye opener about fear. It was kind of like, kind of a lame movie, but the message across the board was really deep and really good. All right, what you got, Mike? I'll end it on this. Um, it says, fear is not real. The only place that fear can exist is in our thoughts of the future. It is a product of our imagination, causing us to fear things that do not at present and may not ever exist. That is nearly insanity. Yeah, I do like that. I do like it, too. That's a really good quote. Um, I'd have to end it with fear, especially if you're a fearful person, it can let up and it can be better. Um, I used to be afraid to get up like in the morning, especially in early recovery, just because I didn't know when I was going to relapse, if I was going to relapse, whatever. And now I am literally moving to a foreign country by myself to study a subject that I don't even know if I'm going <laughs> to enjoy or not. Um, leaving all my friends, all my foundation, everything to go build something new. And... I am not even, I couldn't even attribute this level of fear to the severity of me waking up those mornings um, just because of the work that I put in to, to, help, to, to process it. And so I think the message that I have is it gets better. It gets better. Go and I it, would man. say, you know, fear is not your friend. Um, I used to be comfortable thinking that I knew what everybody else thought. I used to feel comfortable with not being able to say my name in a meeting, let alone like in a school hallway even, you know. Mm. But, uh, you know, I've found if, 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 you, if I work my way through that fear, okay, even if I don't work my way through that fear, if I just stick my, my hand anyway and say, hi, my name's Kevin, I usually make another friend. You know, and whatever, you know, I thought was going to, like, chew off my hand, like, it wasn't there, you know. People aren't actually piranhas. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. They do have teeth. (laughs) That's a good point. They do. Some people have really jaggedy teeth, too. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, so brave it out. Be curious to see what's behind fear. Good shit, guys. All right. Well, that basically wraps us up for this week, guys. So before we go, once again, Mike got one year today. Happy birthday, Mike. That just happened. It felt totally just happened. It felt really good. And it still feels really good. So thank you for all the support. Love it. Hell yeah. All right. We're out of here.